It's Dr. Stu's Podcast at drstuespodcast.com. I'm Brian Whitman with my friend, Dr. Stuart Fishbein. He is Dr. Stu. Looking great today, I must say, for a doctor. You look like a mil- you look like five million bucks. I always look good, Brian, because it's my afternoon off. And I want to tell you that I'm getting ready to go on vacation. Okay. I'm really excited about it. I get to go to New York City for a couple of days to visit a friend of mine and my son who uh, is living in Brooklyn. And we're going to hang out for a day or two. And then I'm coming back and I'm going right off to Minneapolis, uh, where I'm from, to visit with my family for a bar mitzvah. And uh, as we said that we mentioned in a previous podcast, uh, later that month, my dad will be turning four score and 13 years. See, now you're confusing me because my birthday is Saturday. So, 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 so Saturday you will be 41. You'll be, you'll be two score and one year ago. So a score is 20? A score is 20. All right, I'll be two score, and now tell me how old your dad is. I'll tell you how many score he is. Okay, four score and 13. Your father's 93. Correct. Okay, I got it. I'm very so, fast. You figured oh, this out. I've got it down. Yeah, I'm always, what score am I, Brian? I'm always excited when I get a vacation. Uh, One score and eight. Because it's the only time I really don't have to carry my cell phone, my pager. I can like disconnect for just a few days, and it's great. And you've mentioned on other podcasts, Dr. Stu, that when it comes to actually uh, taking clients for home birthing or whatnot, you won't actually take a client whose birth might fall into a window of a Dr. Stu vacation. Yeah, this is something I learned from my midwife colleagues is that when you're, when you're a solo practitioner or even a small group, uh, in order to take a vacation, you, you, know, you need to take uh, about a month off of birth so that you can have a 10-day vacation. Yeah, Brian, when you take a vacation, uh, I learned this from my midwife colleagues, that mm. because people expect you to be at their birth when you're doing sort of the kind of birthing that I'm doing, that midwives are doing, which is very personalized or solo practice, uh, they expect you to be at their birth. Right. So if someone's due in the middle of the month, you really can't go away anytime for two weeks before that till about two weeks after that due date. So in order to plan a vacation, you have to say to clients, say I wanted to go away for two weeks in August. Right. I have to tell anybody that I meet in February or March or April or May that are due in August, say, you know what, I can't be your doctor. Well, I have to say, Dr. Stu, your vacation comes at a perfect time because you just had that three-baby marathon, that back-to-back-to-back birthing marathon that we talked about uh, last week. It was very exciting. Yeah, sometimes the labor gods look uh, shine brightly <laughs> upon us. Right, you catch a but, break, right? But sometimes it doesn't. Just like yeah. when we were talking to Kimberly, where I had uh, two babies laboring with breach 65 miles apart at the same time. Yeah. That... Uh, that, that day I was tested. Well, thanks for joining us here on Dr. Stu's podcast. And of course, any questions for Dr. Stu, it's askdrstu at gmail.com. But let's kick things off with the dose of Dr. Stu's news. This is where Dr. Stu, of course, spans all of the wires, the networks, the internets, the worldwide webs, the information superhighways to find those stories, those little nuggets that maybe were overlooked. You've got one here from USA Today. Interesting story, Dr. Stu, but maybe a misleading title here about autism. Yeah, the, the, this is a classic example of why people need to read more than headlines in order to find out what's in a story. I mean, so many people will look at the headlines of, of a topic or the front page of a newspaper and read the headline and never read what's in it. But here's one that says... The headline reads, inducing labor is linked to increased autism risk. And in the very second paragraph, it says, the increased autism risk likely stems from an underlying problem with the pregnancy rather than any of the methods used to induce the labor. Okay, but the, the, so the, doesn't that make does that make sense to anybody? So what a they study's just said? an oxymoron of itself. Doesn't even make any sense. The title is the opposite. Or uh, the, is, the body of the article debunks the headline. Yeah, it does. And the rest of the article goes on to say things like researchers 
are increasingly looking at prenatal risk factors for autism because this period plays a key role in brain development. Mm. Science has ruled out vaccines as a cause of autism, he says. Now, yeah. I will tell you that so many of my friends who are uh, vaccine anti or anti-vaccine or pro-vaccine activists would tell you that the uh, argument has not been settled. Yeah, Jenny McCarthy has been very involved in this, for example. And my friend Jennifer Margulis, who has uh, recently put out a book called The Business of Baby, oh. has a paragraph in it, or not a paragraph, but a chapter, that she talks about uh, vaccines. She doesn't take a position on pro or con, but she takes uh, a reference, she puts references in there so people can actually get good information about that. It, it seems to me, Dr. Stu, that lately, and I mean just recently, maybe in the last decade, it seems to me as a guy who reads the newspaper and happens to be on the radio, so maybe reads a little more news than the average person, it seems that there's many more forms of autism, and it seems like everybody sort of has autism, or like it seems very likely that a kid's going to have autism now than certainly when I was a kid. And I people say I have autism. Well, they say that they think I have Asperger's. Do you know what that is? Well, yeah, it's a high-functioning form of... Do you think I have autism, Dr. Stu? No, I do not, Brian. Okay, oh, thank you. Thank I think you. these things are too late. I think, you know, when I was a kid, there was no such thing as ADHD, okay? It was people, oh, he was just, he's an overactive kid. And they just let us run around outside and we didn't try to give us drugs to settle us down. Right. Now every other kid has ADHD. Do you think I have that? Uh, no. Okay. No, I think you're. I think well you're like here. me. We both have a mild case of uh, obsessive compulsive disorder. Right. And I mild. think mild. I th yeah, well, yeah, mild because I think we're high. It makes you function well. Having mild OCD helps you prioritize your life. Right, helps but, you make. You but he good doesn't decisions. have mild OCD. I mean, I have. I do some crazy ritualistic. Well, stuff. I haven't been around him on a social right. level. Come enough, with me so. to the dry cleaners and see that act. Oh yeah, yeah. you got to hear this, Brian. Tell him what. Well, happened. it's forty-five minutes. You know, doctors do. I have to check every pocket to make sure I haven't left. You know. Any, like, you know, my mom's wedding ring or something in the pocket. You know, I have to look through every pocket, pull, and I'm, you know, 50 garments. I mean, and I'm sweating, schwitzing. So you bring 50 pairs of pants to Milton 80s here in Toluca Lake. Yeah, and, and, I, and I pull the pant leg out, and I go through the pockets, and it's real embarrassing. And I, and at, I got to a point where I just say to the guy or the lady, they knew me, I said, sorry, I just have to do this. And they're like, <laughs> okay. They're like, well, can we, we help you? I said, well, you can help me when I give you the garment. Please put it in the bag so I can't see it. Like, take it away. So I do some crazy oh, stuff. Oh, that's got to be tough for you, Brandon. Well, yes, at least, well, you know, at I'm a victim. At least we're well represented. Oh, yeah, I know you are. We've talked about that, too. At least we're well represented here because uh -huh. we do have Randy Wang with us. Yes. Who is absolutely not. He's not autistic. OCD. Or he's not OCD. Okay. Yeah. You, you yeah. don't think he has Asperger's? No, have you seen his apartment? But yeah, right. No, but right. But he could. <laughs> hey, be this is putting on airs. But couldn't he be a hoarder? I mean, take a look around. There's some hoarding going on here. Maybe? Yes. Uh, I wouldn't tug at that thread, Mister Hoarder. Okay. Look, I'm not. I'm, you know, I, I I live in a glass house. But Doctor Stu, you're a clinician. Do you think this man Randy well, Wang is a hoarder? I, I feel. I feel like I'm in an episode of South Park right now. <laughs> That's pretty cool. Do you think Randy Wang's a hoarder? Screw I'm you guys. Screw you guys. I'm going home. That's pretty cool. Kick ass. I think he hoards. I think he hoards. <laughs> what am I hoarding? You're hoarding a bike for starters, like a, 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 an organ you never play. That box. How about, with, em, how about empty water bottles? Yeah. Okay, I'm definitely <laughs> hoarding empty water bottles. Okay. That, I would say that's not hoarding. That's just severe laziness. Well, no, and there's a lot of bags and boxes. Is so it, people send me a lot of stuff. Okay. It's hard to get them all the way from here to, to the dumpster. Keep it in your living room the whole time. I only have a living room. That's the reason you can't hoard. You don't have the space. You can't afford to hoard. But you had a whole house and you were hoarding like crazy. Because I'm nuts. You're not nuts. I'm crazy. <laughs> the boxes. Cuckoo. And the newspapers. I know. The magazines. I remember. I live there. I remember. I know what it looked like. All right. Back, back, uh, yeah, to, back to a little Stu's bit of reality yeah, here because Stu's we are talking about a subject that a lot of people are interested in, which yes. is autism. Yes, yes. And I think it is one of those catch-all things. Um, 
rather than one disease, autism is you know, often regarded as a collection of conditions with similar traits but different causes. So no one really can say what it is, but they say the incidence is about one in 88. So one out of 88 babies born this... In America. Okay, has some degree of autism. Yes, it may be that that's true, or it may be that we have too many doctors or, or psychiatrists around labeling people with something that they don't necessarily have. Well, speaking of too many doctors, there's an interesting story here in Dr. Stu's news from Forbes. Forbes is predicting a huge doctor shortage as a result of Obamacare. And I think, Dr. Stu, you believe this report. Yeah, I do, and because uh, I've experienced some of what's in it, and I'm going to read a little bit. Uh, this is from Sally Pipes, who's a contributor to Forbes Online, and the title of the article is Thanks to Obamacare, which you know I am not a big fan of. You are opposed. Right, I am, in pretty I, much every way. Right, uh, a 20, every possible way. Every possible way. <laughs> it's just not the way to, do, to make things work. Government doesn't do things like that right. A $20,000 doctor shortage is set to quintuple in the next decade. So wow. that would be 100,000 for those math. That'd be like f- six, six score. Six five score. score do- five score five, doctors. Five score doctors. Well, wow. And do you believe this, Dr. 5, Stu? 5,000 score Let me doctors. ask you something, Dr. Stu. Do you know, because I, you know, I don't really know, you're my really only friend who's a doctor, I think, uh, but I see doctors. I have not met one doctor who has told me he or she is going out of business as a result of Obamacare. I haven't met one who said that to me. Have you met any that have said that they are prob- they may retire early or, given up, or give up in- taking insurance? Yeah, I've heard that. But, you know, they've always had the right not to take insurance. I yeah. mean, and they've always had the right not to take Medicare, right? You've seen that sign in doctor's office since you were a kid. We refuse Medicare. We don't take it. You know, or, or we don't take that insurance. Well, let's, let's talk about what's going to happen here because with Obamacare, you're going to be bringing in between 16 and 30 million more people into the system with health insurance, correct? I mean, that's I think it sounds what you've right. been told. Yeah. And most of those, a lot of those people are going to be put on Medicaid or some of the new exchanges, which no one really knows how those are going to work. Right. There are some wait and sees. I keep all- hearing about marketplaces. I don't know what it means. Yeah, well, there is no, when the, once the government gets involved, there is no real marketplace. Yeah. Mm. Um, and that's been going on for a long time in healthcare. I mean, there hasn't been a free market in healthcare for a real long time. Um, America is suffering from a doctor shortage, as we talked about right now. The United States is short some 20,000 doctors, and nearly half of the 800,000 doctors we now have in the United States are over the age of 50. Dr. Sue, where is that shortage being felt in inner city communities? Where, where can you kind of, where can you actually go and see the doctor well, shortage? It's, it's going to be seen most in probably small town, small communities. Oh, okay. And then also in, you know, inner city clinics and things like that. If people are starting to give up uh, taking Medicaid or taking the exchanges, let me just read on here a little bit. Sure. Uh, you heard the part where that nearly half the doctors in the country are over 50 years old. Yeah. Wow. Okay. That's scary. A Physicians Foundation survey of 13,000 doctors found that 60% of doctors would retire today if they could, up from 45% before the law was passed. Mm. All right, so that's a piece of information. And on on further, they say, by throwing 9 million more people into the program, and I'm not sure where they're coming up with the 9 million, without fixing this, this problem of doctor shortages, Obamacare will make it even harder for Medicaid patients to find doctors. Healthcare providers are signaling that they may turn away patients who purchase insurance through the exchanges too, including the prestigious Cedar sinai Medical Center, which is not taking anyone with exchange insurance. I think it's interesting. Uh, I think it's becoming clear that uh, in the wake of Obamacare, or it's kicking in actually, I think we are seeing doctors, Dr. Stu, less enthusiastic about being doctors. I think that's definitely clear. Let me ask you, we talked about this on the radio. I don't think we've ever mentioned this on the podcast, but it's about Obamacare. 
you're a doctor uh, and, and you do the home birthing and you don't have patients, you have clients. It's a little bit different, but you do. You are in the office. You do have patients come into the office. I want to go crazy, ballistic, out of my mind, nuts. When a doctor comes into the office and starts complaining to me about Obamacare. Have we had this conversation? Yes. Okay. Well, I agree with you that if, if you don't have that sort of a relationship with your doctor, then that's sort of becoming unprofessional. It would be or, like going to the car showroom and the guy, the BMW guy is complaining about, you know, uh, his, his boss. Right. Right. No, it, again, but you know, we are human beings. I'm not justifying this. I think there's a lot that goes on in the medical profession that needs to change. And that, and that is simply one of them. But I think when you have this pervasive feeling of gloom and doom, it's hard not to share that with people who are putting demands on you and expectations on you that you sort of begin to resent after a period of time. Yeah, okay. And, you know, in my type of practice, or if you people are, want to go to a concierge type of practice, which is becoming more common. Randy, you know what that is? I, I do. Randy's looking. Randy's like staring out in blank space. Here. You know what a concierge is, right? They're the they're yeah, like the geishas of the hotel world, that's right? Correct. They they show you everything. They right. know what's everything's going on. Like they, when then you, everything in the town. When you go to a place and you say, "Hey, I want the best sushi in this town," they say, "I know what it takes." Right. You were in New York. You went to the Warwick Hotel. You said, "I want I want a great bagel." They say, "Go to Fifty Seventh and Sixth. Oh yeah, I went to, to the Warwick. Right. I said, "I want a great show." They said, "Go see Newsies." See what happened? That's it. So the concierge doctor, as we've mentioned, only takes a certain number of clients. You pay him or her like two grand a year cash. Yeah, if you take, if you just take for instance, a, a, a internist with a good reputation. You know, if if he has to start taking Medicare and Medicaid and Obama exchange patients, Obamacare exchange patients, he he's going to have to give. He's going to have to see way too many patients an hour to ever give any of them the attention that he needs. He's going to make mistakes. He's going to get frustrated. And this is what happens to people who are my generation who knew what it used to be like in, in, pre, in the previous time. I think the physicians coming out of residency right now don't have any expectation of that. But if you take these, patient, these doctors who are highly regarded and, say, and they say, okay, I'm going to charge $2,000 a year to 400 patients. Right. They're going to have a base, a base salary of $800,000. Right. For 400 patients who have their phone number, there will be days where they see nobody. Right. There will be days where, yes, they have to spend a lot of time with somebody who's being admitted to the hospital. Right. Maybe days they'll super serve five people, but other days they'll deal with no one. Right. But that's not like the, that's not nearly the patient load of the nine to five doctor at Kaiser, what he's getting, where he's got the 20 minute slots. Or the six minute slots, depending on what they're doing. Yeah. My friend of, friend of mine, a uh, dear friend of mine who I did my residency with was a Kaiser doctor for t over 20 years down in San Diego. And he used to tell me that he had no control over his schedule, that his prenatal visits, I think, were uh, six to eight minutes long. Oh, wow. His pap smear annuals were 10 minutes long. And he had no control to tell the nurses or the scheduling people not to schedule this much. And if somebody came in at that time and had a problem, how do you deal with a problem when you only are allowed eight, uh, eight six, six or eight minutes? Right. And when they you... spent half of those six minutes asking the same questions the nurse just asked you. That may very well be true. You're a yeah. Kaiser... Uh... Yeah, well, and he has right here on the email today, Dr. Stu. Randy Wang got an email from Kaiser, speaking of Obamacare on Dr. Stu's News. It says, uh, Dear Randy, as 2014 and the implementation of the Federal Affordable Care Act, which is what Obamacare is called, as it approaches, we know you have many important decisions to make about your health care coverage as your partner in health. And Kaiser is your partner. You feel that way, right? They've been my partner my whole life. Oh. I was born at Kaiser. Okay. Well, they... I, think, I think they want him to thrive, don't they? They do. P. Weldon Thrive. Thrive. Or thrive. Thrive. I know her. April Winchell is Just the, if anybody from Kaiser's listening, Randy is thriving. I am thriving. April Winchell is the voiceover artist, the very talented lady who does those. 
and she has a great voice. And she's a friend of yours? She is a friend. She's sort of a, no, are we friends? I've never been to her house, but if she walked in here, we've... We've done radio shows together. Well, she has a great voice. She's great. But I'm not convinced. Okay. Randy Wang now is, is should he should stay with Kaiser, Dr. Stu, or he should he should thrive well, with Kaiser? Well, I get Kaiser. this email from them saying, stay with us or get us a, a special new Kaiser Affordable Care Act plan. I, I don't know what this See, means. it's so confusing, Dr. Stu. I just want to not do anything. Well, Dr. Stu doesn't know what it means either. <laughs> okay. okay. I mean, Does it, anybody know what it means? I, you know, no one knows what it means. As a matter of fact, if... If I can digress for a second, when Obamacare was being bandied about in Washington before it was passed, I went with a group of people uh, from docsforpatientcare.org, yeah. which is an organization that really supports the private practitioner. It's not a trade organization like the American Medical Association, which, of course, only 17% of doctors belong to, and yet everyone who hears the term thinks that the AMA represents physicians. It doesn't I was re- under the impression they did until right now. No, the AMA supports Obamacare, and most private physicians don't. Anyway, I went to Washington, and I, I, we were going to go out to lobby, and I actually got to lobby with some of our congressmen. I got to go to Senator Feinstein's office, uh, and one of the things we learned through a lecture that we were given prior to going out at the Heritage Foundation, which yeah. I will yeah. disclose is a conservative organization, right. was how Obamacare was constructed. The 2,000-page or whatever 2,700-page bill was literally the steel structure of a building. And that was the bill. There was nothing inside of it. There was no architectural plans right. for the plumbing, the wiring, the lighting. Right. None of that was in there. It was an outline. It was purely an outline. Right. And no one knew it. And I guarantee you, and to this day I can guarantee you, because now it's over 200,000 pages of regulations, that not one congressman, not one senator, not one person in the executive branch has ever read the whole thing. But no. you, 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 you met with Dianne Feinstein. He, he's a good dude, right? I mean, Dianne Feinstein, he's a decent dude, right? Actually, I, I learned another thing when I was in Washington. I did not meet with Dianne Feinstein. I met with Dianne Feinstein. No, but he's a good, he's a good guy, right? No, she's fine, okay? She's, she's our senator, Brian. I do that stop, joke stop on the radio. You know, I do it all the time. It's my favorite. It's and people my... say yes? People answer you? No, people do what you do. He's an awesome guy. People do what you do. Well, people go, no, she's great. <laughs> I just Let can't. me tell somebody who has faith in government that this is how it works. You go to see your state senator and you have an appointment. Right. And what you do is you end up seeing her aide. Right. And you find out that Washington is actually run by 24-year-old interns. Oh, yeah. They well, certainly during, during the Clinton years. Out. Certainly during the Clinton years, that was the case. Well, they were twenty-two in those days, but, <laughs> That's right. or eighteen. Right. Yeah. I don't oh know what gosh. she was. Yeah, but, right. But no, th- this is how government is run. Uh, Senator Feinstein doesn't know squat about health care. Yeah, she's a and I'm not, head. I'm, you know, she may know something, but she really doesn't know squat. Okay, and it's that's they, none of these people know squat. The the intern knew squat. Recently, I met with Senator Ted Lieu's aide about a, a bill up in Cal, up in Sacramento yeah. uh, regarding midwives. Assembly Bill 1308, I would ask our listeners to take a look at it so they know what we're, we're arguing and fighting for up there. And again, it's Assembly Bill 1308. 1308. 1308, okay. But I spent an hour and 15 minutes with Dr. Oh, Senator Lou's aide, and she was great. She listened to us. I was with Adiola Addison, mm. who's a lawyer for CFAM, which is California Families for Access to Midwives. And she listened to us for an hour and 15 minutes. She knew absolutely nothing about midwifery. Mm-hmm. She knew nothing about the difference between a licensed midwife and a certified nurse midwife. She knew nothing about home birth. But she listened. But these are the people that are making the laws that we have to follow. So and they a, don't know anything. Okay, so Dr. Stu, let me ask you for a prediction. A prediction from Dr. Stu. A prognosis, if you will. When, like in terms of a year, does Obamacare blow up? When do we all... See, my, my position on the radio is, you can hear me articulate it uh, uh, very eloquently. As I have a wait-and-see attitude, I think it could blow up and be a big 
bad thing. When does that happen? Fill in the blank. Obamacare totally blows up in America's face by the year blank. I would say the year after Obama leaves office. Oh, that quickly? Oh, yeah. So he has it set up to be working just fine until he's Well, he, he had it set up to get past the 2012 election. Right, that'd be 2017? So they predicting? kicked it in for 2014, but right. now, as you can see, they're delaying everything till 2015, and I can see it being delayed. It depends on what, how, what kind of a shellacking the Democrats get or the Republicans get in the 2014 election. Mm. And based on that, it might be... I don't think it's going to be, ever be repealed. Yeah. It might be defunded. It might be uh, modified in some direction. But I think one of these, once these entitlements hit us, yeah. they're not going anywhere. And the problem is there is no money in the country to support this. And between the growing, o- growing base of older people as, as baby, the baby boomers, boomers being seniors. get older and get seniors and more Medicare uh, money gets spent that, oh, there isn't, that isn't there and the Social Security demands are great and the number of workers in the United States putting money into the Social Security fund is shrinking and the fact that Obamacare, everybody was told they could keep their doctor and their costs would go down. They're going to find that all that's untrue. It's all brewing. And you know what? It would blow up a lot sooner, Brian, if the... I, what, you're angry of, you're, at me right now, I can tell. Well, you're I'm, furious with me about I'm, something. I yes. see it in your eyes. Why are you so angry with me? Well, I'm trying it? to think of all the pejoratives that people use, but I'm just going to call it the mainstream media. Oh, that, I gonna, represent that. I'm yeah, not going to come up with that. But if the mainstream media were as honest okay. and as critical of this president as they were of any other previous president, they were even more critical of Bill Clinton than they... But this president, they don't touch. And if they were critical of, of his policies, and I'm not talking about all the phony scandals. I'm talking about just Obamacare. Yeah, but I think this is great. I mean, really, I mean, uh, you know, where else do you get to hear a doctor other than Dr. Stu's podcast kind of talk about the behind the curtain of Obamacare? I think it's very interesting to hear from your perspective how you are really sort of horrified at how this might impact not really your career. I mean, you've been doing this a while and, 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 and I'm sure a number of years you won't be doing it anymore. You're approaching that time where you might think about not doing it. But for the but for the Dr. Stu's of tomorrow, it's going to be a very different world. World. Well, again, the Dr. Stews of tomorrow are not going to have known anything different. So I think that if Obamacare survives, what they're counting on, or with, you know, again, ultimately the goal, as Harry Reid just sort of off the cuff said the other day, is single payer. Right. If that ever comes, it's going to take 30 or 40 years because it will t- it will take the doctors who are practicing who are my age or older right. to f- die out. Well, we have to die out. I've been, I've been planning for this for a while, Brian. I... Circumstances in my life sort of forced this upon me, but I have been downsizing and unencumbering myself between I don't take insurance, I don't work at a hospital. This stuff is not really affecting me, and I've never been happier. There are some, and by the way, you asked where else would people hear about this sort of thing except from like Dr. Stu and Dr. Stu's podcast? Is that? Don't laugh. It's your show. I title. know it's my show, but it's fun. It's right? still hard for me to say that. But, when no, but my you show. need to embrace it. You have a show. Um, is through a couple of organizations. Docsforpatientcare.org okay. is something people should look into, and also something called the AAPS, okay. which is the American Association of Physicians and Surgeons. Okay, it sounds like the AMA, but it is actually the antithesis to the AMA. I see. Okay. They represent doctors, and they are trying to represent this private practice of physicians and maintain the integrity. Of, of our profession. Well, here on Dr. Stu's podcast, we do, as Dr. Stu has said on previous episodes, we sort of, we, we reminisce, we're nostalgic for those Marcus Welby days. And that's why we're going to have our very own Randy Wang right now approach Dr. Stu, has put on his lab coat. We want you to get some serious 
first-rate medical care. Randy has an issue with his nose. He might not want you to look, but I need you to look because I'm concerned because it's alarming me. You know, it sends some red flags off. Randy, if you well, please. This is, this is getting a little uncomfortable I'm now. getting you free medical care. Please get out I, of your I, chair. I didn't want this to turn into well, a, a patient. I, 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 I can put the kibosh on this whole thing. Well, I okay. like it to be looked at. What is, what is my specialty? I know it's not dermatology. It's obstetrics and gynecology. And it's certainly not noses. No. Okay, but right. what, what does that look so, like? You know, does that alarm you? I mean, take a look. I mean, are you going to tell me as a doctor that whatever's growing on the side of you his nose would tell me? is not alarming? His professional <laughs> opinion is he doesn't know enough about noses to worry about Okay, it. well, I'll look at it then. You know what? All right. go, yeah. Brian's going to walk over there and look I'm, at I'm it. Not the, I'm not a doctor. Now, while you go You're look at it, doctor. I'm going to continue to ask Randy about the question about Kaiser. Getting back to you, ask should you go with Kaiser? Should you stay with Kaiser? Well, should they, you change out? They ask me. Can you cough? They, say you cough. All yeah, right. there, check it. It's growing. Um, it's a problem. They've been telling me that either I can keep the plan I have because I've had it since before 2010, or I can get a new plan that's going to have the new laws in it, and I don't know what the difference is. It doesn't make any sense to me. They say, you don't have to do anything. I like to hear that. Hopefully, my rates don't go up. I'm a little scared. I have... You know, I choose Kaiser because I don't have to think about my health plan. I don't even have to... I mean, I don't... I'm, I'm young. I'm healthy. I don't have to worry about that kind of stuff. So, it's... As little it's as user friendly. possible for user me friendly. is what I want. Right. And all this stuff confuses me. I don't want to know what the marketplaces are, where I go to shop for these new plans. It all sounds so hypothetical to me. I'm just confused, and so I ignore all of it. Mm. Well, here's a newsflash for people who don't know the, the cynical side of me, because... You know, I have a strong cynical Oh, side. really? Really? Yeah, I, I figured huh. you'd say that. You feel? Yeah, I was waiting for that. I, I found thought, that very you, hard. You were a little listen. slow on that, on that comeback. <laughs> okay, fine. Uh, is that <laughs> Kaiser is going to funnel you to whatever's better for Kaiser. Yeah. So you need to listen in how they're wording these things and how they make it sound. Okay. And if they make the, the Obamacare changing over one sound more appealing, I'd stick with the other one. And here's what I'd like to say. I'm sorry you have nose cancer. Oh, okay. I, you have, I think I'm going to get a second opinion. Okay, well, ask Dr. Stu later. Or send him an email at askdrstu at gmail.com. If, what if people send photos of their uh, of lacerations or, or, or psoriasis? And he, actually, he's not a, he's not a I know. Yeah. skin doctor. But he said, this, is, uh, uh, this, is, this is not a help, uh, this is not a doctor okay. help show. Okay. But I actually did that once on the radio. <laughs> They're I, fun I, shows. I was with a guy. Oh, oh, I have to tell you, I get, I'm going to digress for a second. There's a Good. great story. That, uh, uh, I was doing a talk show, uh, and they, people were calling in. It was a weekend show right and they invited me on as a guest and people were calling in with their medical problems and one woman called in she must have been 80 years old and you know she says to me dr fishbein i'm having some vaginal bleeding and i said well uh, what does your doctor say he says i need a dnc oh. so i went and got a second opinion and i said what did that doctor say he said i need a d he said i need a dnc so I said, well, you got two doctors agreeing on something. I think you need a DNC. It's like, this <laughs> okay. was my this right. was my exposure right. to next call. Yeah, how am I going right. to give advice? Okay. How am I going to give advice over the phone to these people? Right. Like, oh my well, god. Well, luckily you're not that technologically advanced where you're in the age now where people just text you pictures of what's going on. Yeah. yeah. You know, you have to have disclaimer. I mean, I listen occasionally when I'm driving on the weekend to Bill Handel. Sure. On his uh, handle, handle on, on the, the news. Handle, oh, on, handle on the law on the thing. News. Yep. Handle, handle on the law thing. And every other word is disclaimer out of Bill Handel's right, mouth. Right. 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 <laughs> so, it's very funny. But you know, you're right. I hadn't considered that that with technology people really could send their doctors all sorts of pictures and images uh, they don't do they they don't yeah well yeah if, you, if if somebody hires me uh -huh. and I'm their doctor right and they have a, a something they want to show me like a breast I right. mean I do get the strangest uh, text messages sometimes yeah I bet I get pictures of breasts or parts that will remain unnamed and right. they'll say what is this or what did this right. or they'll take and you're picture. not even running for mayor of New York no <laughs> 
No, I'm not. And you're getting these pictures. No, I feel you. actually quite disappointed I didn't get any of those texts. Well, you should but get no, a they, few votes. They though. may take pictures of, yeah, th- of right. things that came out of them. Doctor, right. Fishbein, sure. this just fell out of me. What is it? Right. That sort of thing. Right. And, and that I can answer. Isn't that interesting? I found here, I was uh, bouncing around, Dr. Stu, and I found, I think it's interesting, obviously, just for, uh, not just for women, but for guys, too. It's the ultimate pregnancy to-do list. That's too long. We're not going to run through the whole thing. But there are some items on here which I wanted to get your feedback on. Okay, so it says, of course, first trimester stuff. The ultimate pregnancy to-do list. So, ladies, if you think you might be pregnant early on, guys, you think she might be pregnant. I love it. It's the, fir- the first line of advice. Make sure you're really pregnant. Okay. That's what it says. Well, you know what? That's, that one, I'm sure I'm going to disagree with a lot of these things because yeah. they're probably too... Mainstream. Too, well, they're too, not in mainstream, but they, they're too fear-generating. Okay. But that was a good one because <laughs> you don't want to go through all the other stuff, the expense and the planning, and then end up that you're not pregnant. You know, so. for guys who, uh, you know, like college guys, not even college guys, a lady takes the test. How often are those tests wrong? Rarely nowadays. They're very accurate. Usually by 10 to 12 days after conception, uh, the over-the-counter pregnancy test you buy at the pharmacy are going to be positive. Certainly by by the time you miss your period by 14 15 days so you have every reason to believe them yes right interesting isn't and it? if you and you know that's why they sell two in a package because they always want you to do at least two right well they know <laughs> that if it's going to be positive the guy's going to be so we'll do another one there must be something wrong with that yeah i've never i've never had a woman tell me that when somebody a woman tells me she had a home pregnancy test i actually say well how many did you actually do and they say, oh, well, we did three. We ran three. Right, right. They all come back. That's interesting. It also says here on the ultimate, pre- ultimate pregnancy to-do list, make sure your activities are pregnancy safe. What, uh, what like bungee jumping, you wouldn't want to do yeah. that if you're pregnant. Maybe I, avoid Magic Mountain this weekend. You know, this is, this is, where, uh, this is where a book like my book. To, uh, for, Fearless Pregnancy. To, sh- to plug my own book, Fearless Pregnancy, at fearlesspregnancy.net. And we have a link to it right at uh, drseusspodcast.com. Yeah, Get where book my, book, today. my book talks about these things and basically says that short of falling out of a third-story window or doing cocaine for three days straight, there's pretty much nothing that you can do in your normal life that, that will affect your pregnancy. Our species is not that fragile. Cigarette smoking? Cigarette smoking generally. Look, at for generations, people smoke cigarettes. Your mom's prob- probably, well, I don't know. If she did, yeah. Did. My mom was a chain yeah, smoker. Yeah, my mom smoked cigarettes. And you also imagine all any women that didn't Alcohol. realize they were pregnant. They're drinking and smoking through the whole but thing. But we're talking about moderation here. Right? We're not talking about somebody that drinks a fifth of whiskey a day. We're not talking about somebody that's shooting up. But this is interesting. It's very You're so interesting. The, the, body protects, the body protects the pregnancy. The species has lasted through cholera and famine and right. black plague. And, if, and a, if a client of yours, a patient of yours, a pregnant woman says, I smoke two packs of cigarettes a week, you would say don't stop that? No, I would tell her that this is a great time to stop. However, if she couldn't stop, I would work on I would work on alternatives with her. I work on, on modification therapy. I'd work on hypnosis with her to try to get her to stop. But I would not scare the bejeebers out of her to get her to stop because the science isn't there that smoking one or two cigarettes a day is going to cause your baby to be terribly growth restricted or retarded or have autism, back to that, mm, right. that other study we yeah. talked about earlier. There, there isn't the data there. It's not that cut and dried. It's very gray. It's very gray, and there's no way to predict who's going to have it and who's going to not. That's why it's very provocative. You're, very, you're a provocateur. No, I'm. I'm, I'm a you're be- honest. I'm a believer that fear has ruined pregnancy for the mm, women of America, mm, mm, mm. and I think that we put way too much emphasis on what we can and cannot do. And how many times, Brian, do we hear something that's bad for you, and then five years later, whoop, wait a minute, 
We were wrong. That's good for you. Mm-hmm. You know, eat eggs. Don't eat eggs. Eat eggs. Drink milk. Don't drink milk. Drink milk. Chocolate's bad for you. Now chocolate's supposed to help you with your memory when you're older. But one glass of wine at dinner is going to help you. Right. And then, oh, but then you're going to, baby's going to have al- fetal alcohol syndrome. It, it, you hear these things over and over again, and you don't know what to believe. It's almost like, it's like Obamacare. Right. Nobody really knows. Yeah. <laughs> Here's one in the ultimate pregnancy to-do list. It says, go to bed early, which seems natural, but I know so many pregnant women who have a tough time sleeping. So what's early? Like after America's Got Talent, just like what? Go to bed like <laughs> nine o'clock? No. You know, wait for the third kid to be voted off American Idol and then go to bed. What does go to bed early mean? But it sounds to me like maybe you could be up all night at 3 a.m. smoking some uh, Paul Malls, Dr. Stu. Really well, enjoying you get, yourself. you're more likely to be up at 3 a.m. going to the bathroom because right, pregnant right. women will wake up several times at night to pee, especially as they get further along um, i'm not a big fan of telling people when to go to bed but i am a fan of suggesting that people get at least eight hours mm. of sleep during the day and that can include maybe seven hours at night and an hour nap in the middle of the yeah. afternoon but people that go to bed at one in the morning and get up at six or seven and don't sleep all day that's not a good it's not good habits while you're pregnant there's two more here on the ultimate pregnancy to-do list on dr stew's podcast it says and, and this in the age of facebook and instagram we talked about this a moment ago start taking belly photos <laughs> and put them on Facebook for everyone you've ever met in your in your life to see. What is it? Start Take taking, one every day, have a little collage going. They say it's a great way to document your growing bump, to start taking belly photos. And you know they're going to be, it's on Facebook, oh, you know, eighth week, you know, okay, oh, great, you know, went to Outback Steakhouse, here's my bump. I mean, really, Dr. Stu with the pictures? <laughs> You know, Brian, uh, this is a new a new phase. Again, you and I are an older generation. Me, yeah. I'm older than you. Right. This whole idea of documenting these sorts of things. It's, it's this generation. These that, people These people yeah. haven't grown up in a profession where documentation becomes such a burden yeah. that the idea of documenting everything in your social and normal life drives me crazy. Look, at the woman knows that her belly is growing. Right. But if she, I, look, at, I, don't, I don't frown on people. Right. If she wants to have a scrapbook, I have a scrapbook of ultrasounds of my daughter. Right. Why do I have a scrapbook of ultrasounds of my daughter? Because I have an ultrasound machine. Right. So Not everybody I has to, I wanted to see my daughter all the time. But what you say is so right on, Dr. Stu. This generation leaves nothing to the mind's eye. There is an image of everything. Nobody has a memory of an event anymore. You don't need one. If, yeah, but you do need them because you got a picture. By the way, you, off topic, Dr. Stu, this girl met Randy Wang. He met this girl. You know what he called her and said? We can't talk on the telephone. We have to text. What a generation has been bred here. He I had to shut that down. He's afraid to talk to her on the phone for her to hear his voice and speak. So he said, I prefer text. So it's short, little, meaningless, LOL, WTF. And smiley they don't faces. have conversations. I don't this even have a smiley face. I have an emoji. This is a crisis for humanity. Well, uh, Brian, I mean, we're, we're way off topic here. But let's talk about this for a second because this is the big deal. And, and Randy, you you know what? The, the future of our country and the future of wow. relationships is in big trouble. And, you know, again, I can judge that because, you know, again, I'm older and I'm wiser and I've seen it all. Or I, I think I've begun to see a, a, a lot of changes. But I, my, own, my own daughter sometimes, I'll ask her the very same question. You and, you and Amy have been texting for the last hour. Why don't you just call her? Dad... When I'm texting, I can do other things at the same time, and I get to think about my response, so I can I can right. I can that think about what to say. Pressure. Why but, talk in real time? But I say to Madeline, I say Madeline, but there's so much to the human voice. Of course, there's so much refle- in, inflection, uh, yes. and things that you can tell, and and things that you can hear, and using your other senses. And they don't get it. Randy's afraid to talk on the phone to a girl. I am I afraid to talk on the phone to a girl, but you know why? 
it's not because I'm embarrassed or because I'm afraid to talk. Believe me, I never shut up. But if you all notice that when you used to have phone conversations back in the day with your corded telephones, the voice on the other end sounded pretty good. In our age of data plans and cell phones, the voice quality on every cell phone plan, no matter what you you have, is so terrible, I can't understand what anybody is saying, and I get lost in the conversation, so I'd rather read it. Okay, don't get crazy. Let's get in the Wayback Machine, everybody. Get an old-fashioned rotary dial phone, put it on the wall, and let's have some real conversations. Call at night when you know I'm home, and if nobody answers, guess what? We ain't home. Well, we don't want to talk. There's not going to be a machine. We just ain't around. No call screening. Oh, no call screening. Brian doesn't like call screening. None of that. Yeah. No, you pick up the phone or don't pick up the phone. That's right. Hello or not. Yeah. yeah. I mean, when you, I mean, it's hard for this generation of people to think about what it was like when when I was growing up. We had one phone in the downstairs never front hallway. Tone. We had one phone in the upstairs hallway. The three kids you you birthed last week, they'll never hear a dial tone in their life. No, they won't. But there was no, you know, you, with the phone ring, you picked it up. There was no answering machines. Mm-mm. If you weren't there, you weren't there. And if and. People just, you know, you, if you couldn't reach somebody, you walk over to the house and knock on their door. Right. I mean, this, it was an entirely different world. And when I first started in medicine, which was in the early 80s, you know, my pager, all it did was vibrate. Right. And it carried around an eight-pound uh, box with a phone in it. It did, right, yeah. Yeah, it was like eight, eight pounds. It was a Sony thing, eight pounds. <laughs> but at least we still had to talk to each other. Right, right. I, I don't like it. But, you know, I've sort of adapted to it, too. I find it's easier at night when I'm tired. And I'm texting somebody back and forth. I could easily pick up the phone, and I find myself not doing it either. It's yeah, so same. much easier. It's so much more convenient. That's it's impersonal. It. It's impersonal. It's impersonal. Impersonal is good. We are breeding a generation that doesn't. You will see two little, two girls, little girls, teenage girls at the mall, sitting at the food court. They're sitting next to each other. They're not talking to each other. They're texting each other, and they're two feet away from each other. Yes, and you know, there's one really, really bad thing about texting. It's permanent. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, it yeah. can come back to haunt you. Yeah. Verbal conversations are not. Correct. I've got about uh, I got about twelve years of texting experience. Right. I, I learned at eighteen. There is stuff you can say that will come back to bite you. Okay, so that's here, why we stick to smiley faces. Yeah, here's the last one on the ultimate pregnancy to do list, Doctor Stu. And I love that conversation about technology. That's great. Uh, start a baby name list. How soon should yeah. a preg? I mean, really, this is more. I mean, how soon do you start throwing names around? Do you, you know, well, how? you're throwing names around. You don't even have a kid. Well, I want to be prepared. Yeah, let me ask a question again. Who's, who put this article out? A good question. It's uh, the ultimate pregnancy to-do list, and this comes from the Baby Center online. Oh, Baby Center. Okay. Oh, you don't well, like them? No, no. I actually was one of the developers of Baby Center. Oh, well, well looky. Here. But I am no longer involved with them okay. a long time ago. But okay. yes, this was before they were, ever went public. They were uh, putting together a website, and I and some of my local colleagues here were advisors to their their website. Oh, that's cool. So they are a good website, but this stuff is just sort of... It's stuff moms like to read. It's it's junk. I mean, what's the word I'm trying to look for? It's it's nonsense. It's... It's, uh, it's, it's fluff. space filler. Fluff. Ah, fluff. fluff. That's Mag- the word. Magazine candy. It's a space filler. 90% there, of the internet is fluff. You know what? If your baby is born and you haven't thought of a name... Who cares? Oh, well, I don't know about how long have you seen a couple go with a newborn that didn't have a name? You Have you seen a, a living being be around for a week without a name? Yeah, four four weeks or five weeks. That's ridiculous. Yes. That's ridiculous. They couldn't settle okay. on a name. They, there's something wrong with them. At five weeks, that little baby should have a name. Come on. Well, now. what's wrong with them? And then what would you say was wrong with them? What is the diagnosis, doctor? Oh, well, I don't know. <laughs>
The, the, the parents are kooky is what they are. That's their diagnosis. They're kooky. And that kid has no identity. The kid doesn't know his name at five weeks. Well, I'm going to have my I'm going to have my friend who took four to five weeks or even longer to, to pick up a name. On this show. I'm going to have her listen to the podcast. I'm going to have her write in an email and, and, yeah. and give you her reason. I'll put on my lab coat and give her what for. Yeah, because you know what? I was baffled by her reasoning, but I certainly wasn't as, quite as judgmental. What as was her were. reasoning? Do you recall? Uh, they just Can't think couldn't of settle on one. Okay. And I don't know if it was a diff, diff, dispute between her, and her and her partner or, or the family or they just needed to see her for more time yeah they're, they, you know they're it's very a big decision they're very earthy people yeah and they pick names like ocean and right that sort of stuff got it so you know they they weren't right. gonna name their kid joshua right. or so is is birkenstock a nice kid all right dr stew's podcast is the best if you want to email the doctor it's ask dr stew at gmail.com bunch of videos blogs articles links all at dr stew's podcast.com go to itunes subscribe to dr stew's podcast on itunes give them five stars write a nice review you can do all that's not a lot to ask for a doctor please yeah you could send us also on uh ask dr Stu, uh, no at gmail.com yeah any topics you might want us to get into in the future it would be great to uh, get some of your input you're the best dr Stu. for dr Stuart fishbine i'm brian whitman thanks for joining us on dr Stu's podcast <laughs>